Got another ranking for you. Top first base prospects in minor league baseball. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, come on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And I want this to be your show. If you have show ideas, segment ideas, questions for Monday's mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Every other way to reach us uh, is in the episode description. It's in the show notes. We have a link tree, whether it's subtext, discord, uh, email, whatever it might be. But today we're going to talk top first base prospects in minor league baseball. And this is a show like when we did the second base show and like when we did the corner outfield show. This is one of those where not everybody who I'm going to talk about today is explicitly listed as a first baseman. Two of these guys are listed as first baseman. Two of these guys are listed as third base slash first base. And two of these guys are listed as catcher slash first base. And we're having to do a little bit of approximation or assumption about where they're going to play at the major league level. Uh, The first guy, the top first base prospect in baseball for me, and I understand that not everybody is still in on this guy, but I am, is Kyle Manzardo of the Cleveland Guardians. Second rounder in 2021 out of Washington State by the Rays. And he was moved from the Rays to the Guardians in the Aaron Savali deal last year. And uh, the numbers for Kyle Manzardo are... A little bit funny from last year because he was dealing with a couple different situations. He had a dislocated shoulder. He actually was chosen for the Futures game and couldn't play in the game because of the shoulder. Dealing with a shoulder, dealing with a family medical issue, it was uh, the health of his mother. And the overall slash line for Kyle Manzardo last year is a little bit, I'm not going to say disappointing, But it's a little bit underwhelming. In 97 games in AAA, 237, 337, 464. 17 home runs, 45 extra base hits, 55 walks to 80 strikeouts, and one for two on stolen bases. He's never been a massive power hitter, but it was still 17 home runs in 97 AAA games was a little bit disappointing. But again, Uh, There was the trade. He missed some time because of injury. And I think you got a better idea of who he could be as a hitter when he finally debuted in the minor league system of the Guardians after the trade and then what he did in the Arizona Fall League. So 21 games for the Columbus Clippers, the end of the regular season for Kyle Manzardo, 256, 348, 464. Six home runs, again, 21 games. 14 extra base hits, 12 walks to 14 strikeouts. And then in the Arizona Fall League, 272, 345, 65 with six home runs and 14 extra base hits, which makes me worry I copied the wrong slash line there when I got to the the home run and extra base hit category there. Nine walks to 22 strikeouts. Kyle Manzardo's thing here, one, 
lefty hitter, very good at pitch recognition, very good with understanding how pitchers are trying to attack him and not falling for it. When I see Kyle Manzardo strike out looking, my first instinct is that the umpire got the pitch wrong. Similar to what we talked about with Edward Ulian of the, of the Twins, the batter's eye is so good for Kyle Manzardo that when, you, when he strikes out looking, the first impression was, okay, somebody else made a mistake versus him. He's, just, he's very good at that. Uh, the swing decisions are very good. He's not, we've talked in the, on this show before about Emmanuel Rodriguez of the Twins, who has a very good batter's eye, but he's passive almost to a fault. Kyle Manzardo is not that. And again, the slash line doesn't quite look correct because of dealing with the shoulder injury and the effects of trying to get over that and then come back from it as well as the other personal things that were distracting him last year. But I am very high on Kyle Manzardo. I do think he is, he could be up as soon as opening day. We talked about this a little bit last week when I talked about the Rule 5 draft and Devison De Los Santos. What does this do between Josh Naylor, Kyle Manzardo, and De Los Santos? It's entirely possible Manzardo's the one who starts in AAA simply because if you send De Los Santos down, he's gone. So either way, I do think that when he comes up, he's going to be a very productive hitter and he's going to, he's not going to hit, he's not a 40 home run hitter kind of guy, but he's going to give this lineup an element of power that it doesn't really have outside of Jose Ramirez. I've talked on the show before about how poorly, how poor this team is, this major league team was at hitting home runs for Cleveland. So Kyle Manzardo, number one. Number two, this is the only guy who I have on multiple lists, and it's Kobe Mayo of the Baltimore Orioles. We had him October 19th. We did the top third base show. If you're on YouTube, I'll put a card up here in the corner, and then it's also, I have all of these rankings in a playlist. You can go find that, but we called him the sixth, the fourth best third baseman in the minors. It was Junior Caminero, Colt Keith, Noel V. Marte, and then Kobe Mayo. And part of the reason for that is because him, more so than anybody else, Kobe Mayo is the guy that we don't really know where he's going to play. He played mostly third base last year between AA and AAA. 102 games at third, 28 at first, and 12 at DH. But when he got to AAA, the playtime was a little more even. He spent one-third of his time at first base, 19 games, compared to essentially two-thirds at third, 39 games. And there's been conversation over the offseason about him spending some time in right field. The issue you have with Baltimore, and this was in a show as well, and I don't have the exact date off the top of my head. This was in a show about how do you organize the infield in Baltimore is you have so many options. And so Kobe Mayo could play third base. His arm is an absolute cannon. It's a 70-grade arm, and that's why they're looking at him possibly playing right field. But it's something where at third base, he hasn't been that great. Again, those 102 games he played at third last year, 919 fielding percentage. He had 20 errors at third. And so you could potentially see him at first, you could potentially see him in right field. Depending on 
what they do with uh, Jackson Holiday. And in the top second baseman show, we call Jackson Holiday the number one second baseman in minor league baseball because I believe it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard sell to move a unanimous AL rookie of the year in Gunnar Henderson off of shortstop and kick him over to third base for Jackson Holiday. It feels like it's more likely that Jackson Holiday goes to second, Gunnar Henderson stays at short. And then Kobe Mayo's battling Jordan Westberg for the third base job. Whereas if you had Gunnar Henderson at third and you had Jackson Holiday at short, Kobe Mayo is not beating Gunnar Henderson. So that means he would have to be first base or in right field. So either way, I expect him to probably spend the open next year in AAA, especially seeing what they do with all of these veteran outfielders they have as Santander and things like that. Uh, as well as him working on the position change. But eventually, I mean, he hit in 140 games last year. He batted 290, 410, 564 between AA, Bowie, and AAA Norfolk. And he hit 29 home runs with 77 extra base hits. You're not going to keep Kobe Mayo down forever. The question is just, when do you decide we're going to go ahead and bring him up wherever it may be? If it's not first base, we're just going to take the positional, the defensive hit to put him somewhere else. But I've got him number two in the first base list for now. I still think his best position would be first base. But again, we just don't know with Kobe Mayo. He's the only guy I have on more than one list uh, for these rankings. In just a minute, I've got two guys that were originally catchers, and I don't know if they'll stay there. We'll talk about them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL season is going on. We just watched the Chiefs lose and Patrick Mahomes get really mad about what actually appeared to be the correct call. So, wild. But in the meantime, you can score early like the Chiefs did not with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150. If your team wins, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app's incredibly easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the LockedOn Podcast Network. Okay, so talking about top first base prospects in minor league baseball, We're at the point now where we have two guys who are listed as catchers. And I think they're going to play first base for different reasons. So the first guy, and this order could always be swapped, but Dalton Rushing of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Second rounder in 2022 out of Louisville as a catcher. Louisville, obviously the catcher factory. They do nothing but make catchers. And if I remember correctly, Until his final year, he didn't have a chance to be the primary catcher because it's Louisville and there's always a guy in front of you, Henry Davis, whoever it might be. So he caught 10 games before his his draft year, and then he caught 36 games in his draft year and got drafted. But last year, he got 89 games all in high A, 46 at catcher, 23 at first, 19 at DH. 
Uh, those numbers don't add up exactly because he played both he played both positions in one game. So doesn't add up exactly. But offensively, 89 games in Great Lakes with the Loons, I believe is Great Lakes. 228, 404, 452. 15 home runs, 34 extra base hits, 72 walks to 93 strikeouts, and one for one on stolen bases for Dalton rushing. Uh, Looking, one, the defense. Always a question here on this. He had a 968 fielding percentage at first, and he had a 985 at catcher. So he defensively, he was better at catcher than he was at first base. And he almost doubled his caught stealing rate. In 22, it was 15%. In 23, it was 27. Now, we've talked before, a lot of that is still, go- is still up to the pitcher. It's not entirely on the catcher, but it's still nice that Dalton Rushing was able to make it better. And the reason I have Dalton Rushing listed in this show as first base other than catcher when he caught more games than played first base and his defense was better at catcher than first base is I don't ultimately think his defense is good enough for him to be the backup to Will Smith when you have a guy like Diego Cartaya behind him, who or yeah, a guy like Del- technically ahead of him in the system, but behind him in the prospect rankings, that has better defense. I think Diego Cartaya's arm, it's a plus arm. I think his defense, he's listed as average. I feel like watching them both, Cartaya's a bit of a better athlete than rushing. And then this is anecdotal, but a lot of what I've heard is the game calling, the game preparation, the managing the staff. Diego Cartaya has the advantage on Dalton rushing. One, experience-wise, how much he's been able to do it. And then two, uh, the fact that Cartaya is bilingual. And so it's a little bit easier for him to guide a pitching staff because whether it's English or Spanish, he can handle it no problem. Uh, So with rushing, it feels like obviously now you're in a situation where DH and first base are full for a while. So does he get traded or not? I don't really know. Defensively, the arm is above average. He's not incredibly accurate with it. Again, he got better. You saw the accuracy go from 15% to 27% on the caught stealing. But Dalton Rushing's still not great with the arm. And then the big thing here is power hitter. He looked like I say he looks like a linebacker. He played linebacker in high school. So he's listed at 6'1", 220. Another thing, lefty swing. But it's not, he's doing a lot off of sheer power. The swing, he's a lot of power behind the swing. It's it's close to 70 grade. I absolutely can destroy a ball to right field, but his hands aren't very good. And yes, when he gets to a ball, he can destroy it. The swing isn't like super long levers or anything, but you can beat him with velocity up in the zone. You can beat him with soft stuff in because he can't get his hands in quickly enough to get solid contact on it. And like he has these holes in his swing. I do think it's fixable. I do trust the Dodgers to take care of that. He does feel like a guy, given what you have at the major league level, it does feel like 
when he's fully healthy and as he continues to get better, he's going to eventually be traded. He did go on the injured list twice last year. And I believe they were either, it was either both with concussions or he came off and then went back on from the same concussion. But Dalton rushing, I've got him as the number three first base prospect in minor league baseball with the understanding he could still play catcher, but Will Smith at the major league level and Diego Cartaya behind him as a better defender, it feels like he's going to be the one that's expendable. The other guy, same situation of the guy in front of you, but this one, it's Samuel Basalo of the Baltimore Orioles. So the guy in front of him is Adley Rutschman. Uh, now, Basalo is absolutely fantastic. Shot through the system, age 18, and he went single A, high A, double A. Delmarva, Aberdeen, Bowie, all in the same year. 114 total games for Samuel Basalo. 313, 402, 551. Absolutely absurd slash line. 20 home runs, 53 extra base hits, and then 61 walks to 94 strikeouts. He also was 12 of 17 on stolen bases. So there you go. Now, some of the concern with Samuel Basalo, some of the reason I have him listed at first base is the commonly said height and weight for him is 6'3", 180. But everything I've seen, everyone I've talked to said he is bigger than that. And there's a little bit of, he he moves well for his size, uh, but it's still something where it's going to be faster to get him to the majors if you move him off of catcher. And he's going to have to play something besides catcher because Adley Rutschman's going to play five days a week. If he is strictly a catcher, he's going to play one day a week. And so I do think, especially if Kobe Mayo ends up staying at third base, there is an avenue to put Samuel Basalo at first base. Potentially as soon as 2025, he's going to go back to double-A Bowie. He turned 19 in August, so he'll spend almost the entire year next year at the age of 19. And it's entirely possible that you see him again by 2025, you see him uh, trying to get into Baltimore, into that lineup. And the big thing here is the power is absolutely absurd, right? The raw power is very good. His 90th percentile exit velocity last year was 106, which is very good, period. Never mind the fact he's 19 years old. We're looking for 101 to 102 to be somewhat average. And instead, he's putting up 106 at the age of 19, at an age where a lot of guys start developing more power and raising those exit velos. I want to say the Baseball America study said that the average player increased their bat speed by three or four miles an hour from the age of like 19 to 21 or something like that. So if you think about the fact that he could still be coming into that, you have to feel really good about where Samuel Basalo could be. And the Orioles have had the best prospect in baseball for the last three years, right? Adley Rutschman in 2022, Gunnar Henderson in 2023, Jackson Holiday entering 2024. If they do it a fourth straight year, it's because Samuel Basalo continues to absolutely crush. It's 149 WRC plus in low A, 
195 WRC plus and high A. And again, that's normalized to a 100 score. He got better the higher up he went. If he chose to stay at catcher or if they chose to keep him at catcher, the arm is plus as well. He has all of the tools for the most part, needs more experience behind the plate, but he has all of the tools to be at least an average to above average catcher. So it's absolutely wild. In just a minute, I've got two guys that are actually listed as first basemen. We'll get to them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Welcome back in. Final segment of Locked on MLB Prospects. Uh, Reminder, once you're done here, especially those of you on YouTube, feel free to go over to uh, Locked on Sports Today. It's the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Uh, It covers the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus national shows covering every league, including this show. This show is on Locked On Sports Today. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Uh, Soon, it's going to be available on Fire TVs and Roku's as well. Looking at these last couple guys that we have for the top first base prospects in minor league baseball, Reminder, Kyle Manzardo of Cleveland Guardians was one. Kobe Mayo of the Orioles is on both the third base and first base list at two. Dalton Rushing of the Dodgers at three. Samuel Basalo of the Orioles at four. That order could absolutely flip by the midpoint of next season. Xavier Isaac of the Tampa Bay Rays is number five. Was a surprising first round pick in 2022. Rays took him at 29th overall. And first time I've really stopped and went, wait, who? In the first round. It was something where he had a foot injury. And so he missed most of the summer of his senior year. But the Rays felt like they had scouted him enough. They went ahead and got him. And then he was... Some of the feedback on him after that little bit of time in rookie ball was that he was a little bit uh, physically not in the proper condition. So he went out, he lost like 20-something pounds before last season, and it did, he, he, he went really, still listed at 6'3", 240. I think he's closer to 220 or 225, but 102 games between A-ball and high A. 285, 395, 521 is the slash line for Xavier Isaac. 19 home runs, 43 extra base hits, 64 walks to 92 strikeouts, and a perfect 12 for 12 on stolen bases. Did not get caught stealing once. And when you see him and you hear that his power is 65 to 70 grade, the thought process is, oh yeah, he's just going to be a massive strikeout guy with tons of power, but he's a really good, he's a really good hitter. Like he's just, we talk on this show every day, have heard this, hitters are born, not made. Xavier Isaac's a born hitter. And I think he's a little bit underscored as far as a lot of the common tools have him listed as a 55 hitter, maybe a 60. I think it should be a little bit higher than that. And I think a lot of people are thrown off by the first base profile. And he's got the speed that goes along with the first base profile. He's a good defender. He, I, he's listed at average. I think he's a little bit better than average. I think he's above average at first base. But again, I think a lot of people are thrown off 
by the first base profile. Uh, it feels like he's got the potential to hit 30 home runs as far as the raw power is concerned, but it feels like he also has all of the natural tools to bat in the high 200s for a batting average with an on-base around 400. Again, 64 walks in 102 games last year. He did have 92 strikeouts. And when you uh, look at some of that, the thing that Xavier Isaac, like his game is, I'm going to make you throw lots of pitches and I'm going to jump on a mistake pitch. But my goal is going to be to lace a hard line drive. And I think there's times, and this happens a lot with young players, I think there's times where he still gets, I'm not going to say too passive, but he gets put into a bad situation because there's a bad call, because a pitcher executes a really good pitch, and now all of a sudden he's behind in the count, and I think some of the strikeouts come from there. And in reality, uh, I would I'd feel like he's probably closer to a 60 hit tool than a 55, and power 60 to 65. Really high on Xavier Isaac. Uh, currently, confession time, I do not have any shares of him in Dynasty, but I am actively trying to get those right now. I am actively trying to get some shares in Xavier Isaac. The last guy here, Tyler Locklear of the Seattle Mariners. He's listed a lot of places as a third baseman and first baseman, including baseball reference. He has not played an inning and at third base since he finished up last season with single A Modesto, with the Modesto Nuts. He played 22 of his 28 games at third base with them. This year, between high A Everett and double A Arkansas, uh, he played, it was uh, 85 games. He had some injury issues. He was in rookie ball for two games because of injury. 79 of his games were at first base and six were at DH. So it's not, it's not accurate to call him a third baseman anymore. He went to the Arizona Fall League, did not play third, from what I have read, did not play third base at all there either. So he is a first baseman. In those 85 games, again, mostly high A and double A, but with two games in rookie ball, which Six at-bats didn't actually get a hit, so it just brings everything down here. But 288, 405, 502 is the slash line for Tyler Locklear. 13 home runs, 39 extra base hits, 47 walks to 76 strikeouts, and another first baseman, just like Xavier Isaac, who was 12-12 on stolen bases, did not get caught. I think the big takeaway there for both of these guys are... it's. Having the baseball instincts to pick and choose when to run and having enough speed to not get caught. They're obviously not going to be massive stolen base threats at the next level, but seeing stats like that, seeing guys go 12 for 12 or 11 of 11 on stolen bases tells me they have enough speed to go first to third on a base hit if you need them to and or score from second on a base hit provided they get a decent jump, things like that. So that's what that tells me. The thing for Tyler Locklear is the power is absolutely insane. Another guy like Dalton rushing with a football background. He was a tight end. Uh, and hit the raw power's nuts. The game power's probably 60 to 65 grade as well. Uh, it looks like he likes to, to go the opposite way. 
The exit velocities are really good, uh, but the swing needs a little bit more work. And it's something where because of his size, uh, it's, it's a little bit stiff. So it needs a little bit of work to get it into the zone quicker, keep it in the zone longer. But for the most part, Tyler Locklear has good enough pitch recognition, good enough strike zone awareness, good enough swing decisions to be, I think, an average hitter. He's listed a lot of places as like a 45 hit tool. I think it's probably closer to a 50. And some of that's going to come down to as he continues to move up the ladder, what do his swing decisions do and how quickly can he pick up on spin? So that's still, jury's still a little bit out there. Arm strength wise, I think his arm is average. Uh, He's at first base because the accuracy isn't there. And it's it's a situation like a Max Muncy, right? He can play third base. He's not going to be great. And the arm definitely isn't suited for third base because he doesn't have the combination of the power and the accuracy to do it. But I like Tyler Locklear a lot. I like him to go back to Arkansas this year. You're hoping for one for a fully healthy year. He only got 22 games there. So just under a month. So you're hoping for a little bit of more health with Tyler Locklear. But if you can do that, I feel really good about his potential as soon as 2025, if everything goes right, to be another option at first base in DH for Seattle. Fantastic week this week. Got some more fun stuff coming up, talking about injured players, doing another mock draft with a guest now that we actually have the correct draft order. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. 